This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, everybody. What is going on? How are you doing? Episode 298, Talk of Buffalo podcast, presented today by our friends at 80stees.com. Get 30% off any order using promo code TBP30. Link will be in the show notes. Hope everyone's doing good. I want to thank everyone, as always, for listening and downloading, supporting this podcast. It really means a lot to me. Coming up next Tuesday, I'm going to have a chat with Benjamin Albright. And then next Friday, episode 300 in the illustrious history of Talking Buffalo podcast, I'm going to have my man Dell Reed with me. And we're kicking off Dell Fridays because every Friday for the foreseeable future, Dell's going to be on with me kicking it. That's going to be so much fun. Again, that's every Friday starting next Friday, but not this one. Folks, this one today is going to be different unlike anything else I've done in the 200 and what is this now, 98 episode history of this podcast. I'm going to have for the first time ever a podcaster's roundtable. And what I've done is taken not one, not two, but three of the very best, three of the most talented, three of the most popular, well-liked Buffalo Bills podcasters out there in the game today. And I managed to talk these dudes and having a round table with me. And here's the caveat, folks. We ain't going to talk Buffalo Bills today. Not happening. No Bills talk, no football talk. And I know, like, what? I know, I know. Joe Marino from Lockdown Bills, Greg Thompson from Cover One Buffalo Podcast, and Bruce Nolan from the Bruce Exclusive are all going to be joining me in just a couple of minutes. And we're going to have a nice round table discussion about podcasting, about our processes, and just about life, family, the support that everyone gets, how much that helps, stuff like that, uh, the process of putting their shows together. And I think anyway, it is a really good, maybe even unique peek into the personalities of these guys away from football talk. Because again, not by accident, no football talk today. So hopefully this is going to be something unique for listeners of this podcast, fans of these guys. And there's a reason why I chose these three, but I also got to give some props to just the Buffalo Bills podcasting community, because as a whole, there's just so much talent, so many awesome people. Many of them, I am proud to now call friends. Many of them have been on my show. I've done some of theirs, uh, just to name a few. I'm talking about guys like, like Joe Miller and Anthony Marino, uh, the fellas at Rock Power Report, Jay Spence, 
Steve Matthews, Rico, just to name a few. Again, there's many others between Rumblings and Cover One and Fanatics and a lot of these indie podcasts out there to do so well. Great community. I feel like this. Joe, Greg, and Bruce, to me, are not just three of the best, but they're also very different. Their approaches are different, whether it's doing podcasting for a living, whether it's podcasting as a hobbyist. And I wanted to have somebody to be able to discuss all those facets. And that's what I have today because, well, let's start with Joe Marino. Joe Marino is a professional. Literally, this is what Joe does for a living. Four days a week, five days a week, when you wake up in the morning, if you're subscribed to Lock on Bill's podcast, which you absolutely should be. I mean, what's the matter with you if you're not? But anyway, you get up, you go for your walk, uh, you hit the gym, you drive to work, whatever it may be. You're going to find that podcast in your favorite podcasting player four or five times a week. And that's only one podcast. He also does another one, a draft one. Same deal. He's a grinder. Joe's a, a, like a, a pros pro, legitimately. This is what he does for a living every day. And you have somebody like Greg. Greg does mostly live shows, following Bill's games during the season, a preview show during the season, off season, they have shows still twice a week. Him and usually his, his partner, Aaron Quinn. Sometimes it's Eric Turner or other guests, or sometimes Greg will go at it alone once in a while. But anyway, he's a hobbyist. He has a real job, does it twice a week, appears on a lot of other shows like this one. And I find Greg very personable, man. Greg's a very likable guy, nice, confident, very confident. And he knows how to use social media to his advantage. That's one of the things that I admire most about Greg because there's a lot of people out there who might have good content, a good product, but they're not very good on social media. And that really hurts them. Greg's the opposite. And then you got Bruce. And I'm, <laughs> I mean, look, I don't know how many times I got to say this. I'm probably sick of saying it myself between this podcast, Twitter, whatever. But you know what? Because of what we got going on today, I'm going to say it again. Bruce Nolan is as good as it gets when it comes to podcasting, period. End of story. There's no one out there today, I think, that's better at podcasting, at least when it comes to Buffalo Bill stuff, than Bruce. Mainstream, alternative media, don't matter. Dude is prepared as it gets. He's high energy. At least when he's on the microphone, he's high energy. Not the same off. And again, this is one of the reasons why we're doing this roundtable. You'll learn about that. With Bruce, sometimes I feel like I'm like quite literally getting an education when I listen to one of his shows or when he's on mine or when he's on another show, one of these guys or whatever show. He just always brings something, I think, anyway, unique to the table. And I just feel like I'm learning something. So three guys, three completely different personalities, three different ways that they do podcasting, but they're all good. This for fans, I think, is something different. And again, a lot of this today, not all though, I want to point that out, not all, but a lot of today is designed for people out there who have podcasts. Lots of people have a podcast. Everyone wants one. So podcasters, aspiring podcasters, uh, people who just really like listening to podcasts, which is a number that's growing every day. I know there's a lot of listeners out there who are fans of these guys. And again, just something different today. Uh, a lot of great advice, a lot of great insight. And you could take podcasting advice or insight and transform it into your daily life. Um, these guys talk about the process of getting comfortable having a podcast, being behind a microphone, 
Um, they highlight what they think is some of their biggest strengths. We talk about that. Also are very candid and honest and open about discussing some of our biggest flaws. And I'll tell you this, man, it wasn't that just interesting and insightful, but again, in some ways I learned myself, I learned from these three guys and it was different for me because again, you know, this podcast, at least mostly anyway, who are tuned in, I have a guest. We go one-on-one, we shoot the shit. I ask some questions. They have some answers. I kind of feed off them. We go back and forth and it's a nice long form conversation. This was different because I had three guests on at once for the first time in this kind of roundtable fashion and uh, no video. So that was hard. We're not face to face. Obviously, that's hard because you can't like feed off each other's facial expressions and energy, kind of guessing. So at times I kind of felt myself a little maybe robotic. I was concerned about being the narrator and just keeping things moving along. So yeah, a little robotic, might've fumbled over uh, a question or two or whatever, but all in all, so much fun. And again, and I got something out of it too. We all kind of, that's the thing about podcasting in this community is you kind of feed off each other. And in some ways you kind of learn off each other. And again, for people at home listening, I just think this is a great peak, not just a podcast, but a lot of the stuff outside of it as well. So anyway, this is a loaded conversation. I don't want to waste any more time. Let's get to it. Here it is. Podcasters Roundtable featuring Joe Marino, Greg Thompson, and Bruce Nolan. All right. Hopefully this turns out good. Who knows? We'll find out. I've never done one of these before on the podcast. Well, not really anyway, but I wanted to do something completely different with a trio of characters who are very well-known in Buffalo Bills podcasting and social media circles for sure. Uh, And when I say different, I mean different because we ain't here to talk Buffalo Bills today. More on that in a second, though. I want to introduce my panel. This is going to be our first ever podcasters roundtable on this show. So I got three guests, Joe Marino, host of Locked on Bills. I got Greg Thompson from Cover One Buffalo Podcast. And I got Bruce Nolan from the Bruce exclusive part of the Buffalo Rumblings Podcasting Network. All these guys have been on this show multiple times, but usually it's to talk football. Today, we're just going to talk some podcasting and process. What's going on, guys? And again, we are here, four of us doing this audio. So it's not like we're all watching each other on video on YouTube. So we'll do our best. But uh, let me start with Joe Marino. How you doing, Joe? Pat, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. And um, I told my wife I was doing a guest podcast appearance, but I wasn't talking bills and I wasn't talking football. And she was very confused about what the heck I was doing uh, recording <laughs> tonight. But, uh, you know, excited to do this and obviously uh, really enjoy any time I get a chance to talk with you and, and Greg and, and Bruce as well. Well, I got Greg on as well. And it's funny because one of the topics we're going to talk about later is the generosity of all you guys and how you guys do so many shows, which is kind of fitting because Greg's taping this with me right now. And literally he's doing another show right after that as well. What's going on, Greg? How you doing? Let's not kid ourselves. We just like to hear our, the sound of our own voice, but uh, <laughs> no, it's just, I'm excited, man. It's a, uh, it's, it's something fun. I, I think all of us get asked a lot of questions about what it's like, tips and tricks, advice, different things like that. So I'm actually interested in tonight's conversation and where it's going to go. 
Yeah, for sure. And I got, like I said, Bruce Nolan with me now. I've had Bruce on the show many times and we've talked a little bit of podcasting before. So some of this stuff, Bruce, might not be quite as new to you. But anyway, how are you doing? Well, I mean, I was doing good until you opened the entire discussion with, gosh, I sure hope this works. I mean, expectation <laughs> setting. I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand under promise over deliver, but man, gosh, should I just go ahead and check out now, Pat, or what? <laughs> well, I'll tell you real quick here. So about a year or so ago, this is the first time I've done a podcaster's roundtable with actual podcasters. About a year or so ago, I did an all-time Buffalo Sabres draft, and I had three guys very, you know, very well-respected in the Sabres community. However, it was Paul Hamilton, John Vogel, Chris Baker, Great media guys, but know nothing about podcasting, know nothing about microphones, know nothing about any of that stuff, audio, and it was just an absolute complete disaster. Paul Hamilton was literally holding up the side of his laptop and talking into the mic on the side of it because he didn't know where it was. That's how, that's how bad it is. But again, and you guys said it, a lot of people like to ask you some of these questions about podcasting. It's kind of what I want to do today, talk some podcasting, um, something different. And again, fans of this show, fans of you guys, fans of podcasting, you know, get hopefully something a little bit unique out of it. And let me start here. So one hidden part of a good podcast is that fans and listeners of your shows, they, they don't see or hear behind every good podcast, there's support from home and it helps it happen. You know, we all have families and lives outside of the podcast that we do. I've spoken with, like I said, with Bruce, one of the times I've had him on before, pretty in depth about how much his wife supported him doing the podcast, how much that means to him. And he articulated that, you know, it wouldn't be possible without it. Uh, you're giving up all three of you, a lot of your time and effort to produce really good shows. And it's time that's spent away from your family. So let me pose, I'll start with Greg. I'll pose that same question that I did to Bruce when I had him on. How supportive is the fame at home and how much easier does that make your life when you're doing not just two shows of your own every week. But like you said, you know, you're doing this show and you do a lot of other shows as well. No, absolutely. So one, my, my wife is a saint for anyone who doesn't know my, my son has special needs. We have a daughter who's also six and um, all the fun things that go along with just having kids on top of the challenges that, that my son presents. So there's always added complications and plans and different pieces we have to do. So I, I try to be very conscious of that. Um, I'm, I'm trying to be very aware of the key times that it takes two people to, to make our household run. And then she's amazing and, and allows me to kind of pursue my passion and the things that I enjoy doing. So I try to be, you know, reciprocal with that. And I try to give her breaks and I take the kids out for some things when I run errands and go different places just to give her some time to herself. But it, it's Bruce was spot on. It, it's not possible without a true partnership and a great relationship. And, you know, I think some things have changed in this new remote environment that we're all in that um, it even can kind of be a bit of an outlet from a social standpoint, still interacting with people to some extent. I certainly, I certainly feel that way that it still gives me a chance. I'm, I'm a people person and love being around and talking to people. And it's weird in this new environment. Uh, and this gives me that outlet. And I think she kind of knows that that's healthy for me as well. And that it kind of keeps me sane to get to interact with people. So um, I, I certainly couldn't say thank you enough for, for how amazing she's been with allowing me to do this. And I, I try my best to balance it out when I can. Yeah, and same question for Joe, who he's banging out. So you guys podcast differently, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But like Joe bangs out the most episodes of each of us is, you know, four or five episodes pretty much every week. So a lot of his time's devoted to that. Joe, what's your thoughts on that and support from home 
and how much that means. Well, I, I'll say I, I do five episodes of Locked On Bills and five episodes of Draft Dudes every week. So wow. I have two two daily podcasts. So it's a big part of, of my day and routine every day. I'll say this. The best thing in my in my life is my wife. And um, she hears that from me all the time. I do come at this from a different angle because, and I have a lot of respect for Greg and Bruce, but this, this is what I do, right? I don't, I don't have another job. Right. Um, and so I, I respect where they come from because I was there before. Uh, I, I balanced a, you know, regular full-time job with, you know, doing podcasting and content creation on the side. But now that I'm at the point where this is all I, I do, it's certainly a different dynamic because it's, it's no longer trying to carve out time to, to make it work within my schedule. Like it's literally just like going to work. Like I guess anyone else would for their job. So, uh, I, I think the support dynamic is very, very, very important. And I'm thankful for the support that I get from my wife, but given that it's, it's my, my job, um, I think I come at it from a different angle than, than Greg and Bruce. And and I think that uh, my wife understands it differently because it's, you know, it's right. Well, got to do it right. It's it, that's, that's how the bills get paid. Yes. Now, Bruce, again, we talked about this before on the podcast, but that was a while ago. And some people might not have heard it. Just hit on that briefly because you do more than one. Even if you just did one show a week, you prepare for your one show. And I know you, as well as anyone in this podcasting game right now at this point, you probably do as much preparation for one show as a lot of people out there doing three or four shows. So kind of just hit on the, what we're talking about, you know, just that support from home and what it means for you. I think this is a good question to lead off on because it really highlights the differences between the three people that you're talking to. You know, Joe just mentioned the fact that he does it professionally. This is the way that he pays his bills mm-hmm. that changes the dynamics. And Greg mentioned that, this is a social outlet for him because he's a people person. He likes to be around people he likes to talk about. And I am the opposite of both of those things because neither is this professionally done for me. It's a hobby and I'm not a people person. So (laughs) the interesting thing for my wife as it comes to that standpoint is that I have a limited amount of energy to give over the course of the day. And so she volunteers for me to give a limited resource to somebody else which leaves less of it behind for her. And that's really pretty meaningful when you think of it that way, because she's sacrificing, not just me being away from a time standpoint to do the things that I'm doing. It's that I have a limited amount of energy and gas socially to give. And the more that I give away to somebody else, the less I have remaining in the tank for her. And so she knows that. And she knows that When I get done with a particularly long podcast or two podcasts in a row, for example, I am wiped. I am done. I am comatose. I am recharging the batteries. I'm done. You know, it takes a lot of energy for me to put on the Bruce persona and talk and pretend like I'm a people person and be, you know, some attempt at charismatic and try to be interesting and have some semblance of inflection in my voice. And that takes energy. And that's a limited resource that now is not available. And so I've always been really impressed with her willingness to understand that there will be less of Bruce left over for her at the end of the day. And she's still so cool with it. 
All right, folks, let's take a quick break. I want to tell you about 80s Tees. So 80stees.com has been selling nostalgic pop culture t-shirts since the year 2000. And during that time, they've sold quite literally millions of t-shirts. As the name implies, they focus heavily on the 1980s era. My favorite, it's where I grew up. And if you grew up on Goonies, Karate Kid, G.I. Joe, He-Man, stuff like that, then you have got to visit their website. Right now, as I'm recording this podcast, I am sporting a red American-made t-shirt, the exact same one Hulk Hogan was wearing back in 1983 when he beat the living hell out of the Iron Sheik and Hulkamini was born. I can't get enough of these shirts. I can't get enough of all the wonderful memories that come with them. Go to 80stees.com, but I'm warning you now, give yourself some time because you're guaranteed to get lost in all the nostalgia as you see these shirts and these designs. Grab a gift card, grab some gear for yourself, grab some memories that you can wear forever. And as a bonus, only for listeners of this podcast, use TBP30 in the promo code at checkout and you're going to get yourself 30% off your entire order. That's right, folks. 30% off anything you order. Again, that's ADTs.com, promo code TBP30 at checkout. So there are lots of similarities amongst you guys, but there's also differences, which some of them you just spoke with, including the style and the process of your respective shows. And I wanted to spend a couple of minutes talking about those. Let's start with Joe. Again, you do two podcasts a day, up to 10 a week. Besides the, the time consumption part of it, I think that finding that much content every week for you, is that a big challenge? Like, I know you have herd mentality and we'll just stick with lockdown bills for the purpose of this discussion, but you know, you have herd mentality, which is a weekly um, fan question and comment filled episode. But aside from that, does it take a lot of time and planning to be able to come up with content, especially during the off season, pretty much on a week, at least on weekdays on a daily basis? It's a good question. And I get that a lot because people ask, well, how do you, how do you do five episodes a week all year long? And I guess out of the abundance of heart, my mouth speaks, right? That's a Bible verse. <laughs> and I'll apply it here. I just, I, I think I've spent my entire life dialed into football and especially the Buffalo Bills. And so it's constantly on my mind. I'm constantly consuming other content. I'm, I'm always listening to everyone on this panel's podcasts and uh, dialed into social media. And so when you know that you're doing a daily podcast on the Buffalo Bills, you are constantly engaged and dialed in on the discussion points. And from that, you develop show concepts and, and ideas. Now, one thing that I think gives me a, I don't want to say advantage, but something that I really am passionate about is, is roster construction and team building. And that gives me a ton to talk about in the off season when the Bills aren't playing games because I'm so into that side of football. And that's obviously a big part of what we talk about on the podcast. So obviously I think it, it comes from a place of passion, but um, it, it, you know, you're just always dialed into it. I'm always taking notes. I have a spreadsheet with, you know, every day on there. And as soon as I got, get ideas, I put them down for a show concept and, you know, kind of 
pile it together and make sure that I'm uh, producing what I promise I'll deliver in terms of five per week. Bruce, you're probably, and I mentioned this earlier, maybe the well, most well-prepared podcaster that I know. I remember we did a show not too long ago about active NFL players, which of them would be future Hall of Famers. We did an episode on that, and I thought I had everyone covered. And when I was done, you had several guys that I completely didn't even hit on. Anyway, now you're doing two shows per week, one on Thursday, which is a variety of topics, but quite often a deep dive on something. And now on your Friday shows, I've seen that you're gravitating towards some live inter inter reaction stuff um, that you're doing on a locker room app, which is pretty cool. And I caught some of it last Thursday live as it was going on. Fans are having an opportunity to ask you a question and you're answering that question live in real time without, you know, time to prepare for that. That's something new for you. Like, are you enjoying doing that aspect and adding that element to your show? Are you asking me if I'm enjoying taking a question and not say, being prepared? I, I can, I can no. answer the part four about enjoying it. <laughs> no, no. The answer is no. I don't enjoy taking a question and not being prepared for it. No, I don't enjoy that at all. Uh, I, it's a value proposition for me. I recognize the negative slant that comes along with not being able to prepare. The good thing about that is I have zero interest in just talking out my rear end. So I'll just say, I, I don't know. I hadn't really thought about that. And I'll just move on to the next one. <laughs> but I would prefer not to say that, but I would much rather prefer that over the alternative, which is just kind of ramble and hope something intelligent comes out. Uh, <laughs> it, there is a lot of effort that goes into trying to make me sound smart. And um, the vast majority of my life has subsisted on preparation over talent. And so if you prepare well enough, you can pretend like you're talented for a little bit. And so that's kind of what I've been trying to do on the Bruce exclusive and the live stuff does kind of put a hamperance on that. And it's not ideal by any means, but it's enjoyable for people who have been listening to the show for a really long time to be able to physically talk to me and be able to jump up and be able to give the question. And that's something that's fun for them. It's fun for me to interact with these people who I've talked to via email or via Twitter DM. And some of these people have been following my show for years now. And because of that, it is kind of fun. It is kind of fun to have that type of bond with your listeners where they know your inside jokes and they know all the little catchphrases and they know what I'm going to like and what I'm not going to like before I even say it because they understand kind of how my brain works by now. And that's always fun. But no, no, it is not interesting at all to have to react to a live question without having an opportunity to prepare for it. <laughs> what about you, Greg? Now, if you were like, um, if you were a golfer, you're like a, a grip and a rip it kind of guy. What I mean by that is this, most of the podcasting that you do, at least for Cover One Buffalo anyway, are live shows and they're streamed right away on YouTube which is a much different dynamic than this podcast or the Bruce exclusive or locked on bills. You're there, you're live post game or, you know, previewing the next game, whatever. Maybe you often got Aaron Quinn, but sometimes you got Eric or you have special guests on. I know you've done some of these yourself as well. Do you like doing live shows? What's your approach to it? So similar to a piece Bruce said, I think people would be shocked at how much work goes in to make it sound like it's easy. Um, so I love the pressure that a live show presents. It forces me to be able to 
stay on my toes. I don't have the option of, all right, hold on, let's cut that. Let's, you know, go back and let me redo that. I like forcing myself to needing to be prepared and concise and and proper at all times. And it, it really does force you to not have the, um, uh, uh, those kind of crutches, because I know that I have to be able to intelligibly fill space in a proper amount of time and to be able to keep things interesting and dynamic and people will tune out if you're not. So I like the pressure that that presents because it it jibes with my personality and fortunately with my skill set to this point that I've been able to do that. But I think a lot of the pieces that go into it where some of the items might be more prepared topics. Mine's more infrastructure. So I have a very detailed, heck, this season it got well into the 200 pages of a show rundown skeleton that I set up and build that goes into, okay, I I use bullet points. I actually do a fair amount of this in my professional world, coaching and mentoring people on tips and tricks to present, when you're speaking publicly, when you're doing things, if you, and I'm guessing Bruce and Joe can, can echo this part. If you write down full sentences, you're very apt to recite them. And if you write something down and are reciting it, it will come off as though you're reading the words and then people can tell you're reading the words that are, you you know, and, and it's really hard not to. So I train people that, Hey, use very brief bullet points, ideally one or two words that are just going to trigger the thought for you. So a lot of mine are just columns of bullet points of, okay, let's make sure to touch on this. Let's touch on this. I then have that during the season where I go through and take notes and have those pieces. So when I go back to do the live show, it comes off very off the hip and natural and live and everything's going but it's because I put in all that work and time and effort and now doing hundreds and hundreds of shows that I've done to this point, obviously there's just some reps that go into that, that you're used to it. Um, but that's a big piece of for me is my preparation is more so in making sure that my infrastructure is sound, that I have the setup that I want, that it's in the, the format that I know I'm going to be comfortable with. Uh, and then I know I can kind of roll once the, once the red light starts blinking, uh, I know I got to be on. Yeah, for sure. And I just want to point out, too, that there is a lot of good Buffalo Bills podcasters out there that aren't represented on this show today. These three guys just happen to be three of the very best and also three people that I have somewhat of a personal relationship with that, you know, I could talk to about a variety of things. So that's part of the reason why you guys are on. And again, this is a podcasters roundtable and we're discussing actual podcasting today because I know there's a lot of podcasters out there, a lot of aspiring ones. Where do you guys all see the most improvement? in your work, like you're podcasting now and you go back and you look back at some of the stuff you did, maybe it was a year or two ago or so. And just the biggest difference between now and then, like, what do you feel like you've improved at the most? And again, I'll just go around the room here, keep it orderly. Let's start with, uh, let's start with Joe. That's a good question. Where have I grown the most? Well, I'll tell you what, Bruce and Greg are two people that I talk to all the time. And we're dialed in in conversation. And through that, I I learn a lot from them, more than they probably realize. But one thing that Bruce said to me, and I don't think he was saying it as a suggestion. He was just telling me about what he does. And he said, you know, I always listen back to my podcast. And I I went a while without doing that, where I would, you know, I'd do the show, I'd edit it, I'd produce it, publish it, and that was it. 
But since Bruce made that, not suggestion, but it came up in a conversation that we were having, I was like, yeah, I got to start doing that again. That way I can be more aware of things that I do that annoy me, that I'm sure annoy other people that I'm asking to listen to me every single day. And so it's been well worth my effort to take that time to put it on and push play whenever I'm doing something else and just try to be more mindful of the things that annoy me, whether it's different verbal fillers that I have or transitional phrases or a swallow here and there, or, you know, just the different things that you do talking into a microphone for 30, 45 minutes at a time that you just inevitably you have those types of habits. So I think uh, the thing that I've improved on is being more self-aware by self-scouting and then making adjustments to things that annoyed me listening to me. What about you, Greg? I think self-scouting is a great term for it. And and I think some people, you know, it, it could be a little cheesy listening to your own podcast and, and going back and, and listening to it, but it, it really does pay off in, in being able to identify, just like Joe said, treat it. And I'll, I'll steal one of Joe's phrases, you know, watch with the same critical eye that you watch the Buffalo Bills, you know, go and have that same approach of how would I consume this as a fan and as a consumer of the podcast? What are things that I wouldn't care for or that, hey, become a crutch? And we all three of us joke about, you know, phrases and words that we lean on and overuse. And then it sticks in my head and, and you start to to notice those things. And I think some of that's healthy is, you know, sometimes there's value in repetition and having a, a catchphrase per se, or having something that people associate with you. There's nothing wrong with that, but it also is good to branch out and to have variants and have different approaches and perspectives on things and making sure that you're not just being repetitive and, and even cliche in some of the things that you approach. So I like that same idea and go through many of the same things. I, I'd say the parts I'm most proud of is being able to go live each time and not feel like I'm struggling with that or that I'm able to to produce it in the way that I do. And that that wasn't always the case, that it was stressful and difficult. And there were a lot of things that I had to be very conscious of and things that I would focus on in sound quality or, you know, microphone use or other side noises and different things like that. That now I think at least I can eliminate the little things that now it's just the content. And I think some people struggle with that piece of it, that sometimes it's hard to get to the point to where it's just your voice and your ideas and that letting the other things get in the way can be a hurdle. And I think at least I've got many of those things ironed out. And now it's just incumbent on me to be interesting and to be able to say things people want to listen to. Um, and that's at least been a win for me to get it to down, down to that point where the pressure is just on my ideas and my voice. Very interesting. Same question to you, Bruce. What do you think you've improved on most when you hear yourself, you go back and, and look at your work now compared to, you know, when you first started or maybe even just a year or so ago? You may find this hard to believe, but I have been called uptight before. I know I, it, it's, it's shocking and I, I, I can, I can hear your surprise even from here, but when you are a structured, scheduled, regimented, organized individual, and you're working behind a pseudonym, that has a tendency to make you a little bit tightly wound. And I think that sometimes there is this, there is this pressure that comes along from keeping that wall up. And what it does is it, it kind of doesn't let you connect with your listeners. 
it doesn't let them get to know you at all. And I think one of the things that I've learned over the last year is that people are going to listen to my pod because they enjoy the content. And that's absolutely true. And they're not going to listen to my job because that my, my pod, because they don't enjoy the content. And that's also going to be true, but they're also going to listen because they like me or they're going to not listen because they don't like me. And it's okay. Like it's okay to be a goof because I am simultaneously an uptight, a very structured, organized, regimented person, and also an absolute goob. And it's okay to be both those things. It's okay to loosen up a little bit. It's okay to relax. It's okay to allow the actual personality to bleed in with Bruce. Like that, that's okay to have a little bit of my real personality in with Bruce. Bruce doesn't have to be entirely a character. And because of that, I think that that has allowed me to connect with people on a more genuine level. We had a couple podcasts this season that were fairly emotional, even dare I say. And when I, I got very positive feedback from those things, because I was able to kind of let my guard down a little bit and connect with my listeners on an emotional level in what was an extremely emotional and joyful season for Buffalo Bills fans. And if I wouldn't have been able to kind of let my guard down, and if I wouldn't have been able to allow myself to connect with the listeners, then they wouldn't have connected to the content. And that's, that's kind of the, the, the Trinity, right? That's the Triforce making a Legend of Zelda reference right now in the name of being a goob. But it's me connecting with them, me connecting with the content, and the contact connecting with them. It's those three pieces. And I felt like I was missing a lot of that early on in my podcasting tenure because, quite frankly, I was just a little bit too uptight. And that's something I've learned in the last year. Joe Marino was somebody who who was in my ear about that a little bit when I was asking for feedback. And he was like, hey, man, you know, just you can, you can loosen up a little bit. You know, you can relax a little bit. And there are occasions and there will be occasions coming when perhaps I, I swing the pendulum too far the other way. And maybe I'm a little bit too much of a goof, but I'd much rather have that because if they know that you're enjoying it and you're having fun, then they're probably going to have fun too. How long did it take you guys to get comfortable behind the microphone having a podcast? Now, again, our podcasts are all different. All three of you are primarily like heavily content related, whereas generally speaking, Talk to Buffalo podcast is more about me having a guest on and, you know, learning about that person's life and their career and trying to take a little peek behind the curtain behind besides just the work that they do. But anyway, you would think, at least my thought going into having a podcast, and I've had this for a little over three years now, is you're not in front of a crowd. It's just you and a microphone, quite often literally just you and a microphone. You would say there's nothing to be worried about. And you have a guest on or whatever. But I remember, especially early on, I'd have some decently well-known guest, and about maybe a half hour before I was supposed to do the interview or whatever, I'd get nervous as hell. I don't know why, but... I did. And that lasted for quite a long time or even just doing, I don't do a lot of solo stuff, but sometimes when I do, I would, I would get nervous. Like how long did it take you guys to get completely comfortable in your own voice and your own style and confidence in yourself that whether you're taping your own show, whether you're a guest on someone else's show, no matter who the guest is that you're talking to and that you're just completely comfortable and confident because I think it's a process. Uh, I want to get your guys thoughts on that. That's how we're great. So, so uh, part of that is just your personality and the the nature of what you do. And that I think 
each person knows their strengths and their weaknesses and you're going to lean into those pieces. You know, I, I'm someone with just a completely irrational degree of self-confidence. Um, it makes no sense. There's no actual backing or logic for it. I've never been uncomfortable a day in my life. Um, it's part of it. And you want to know what, even when that's not true, I fake it. (laughs) And it's just simply kind of the, the way that I approach life is that I would rather be confident and optimistic and believe in myself to a fault and trust that more good things will come of that in that positive mindset that, you know, the power of positive energy, those kind of beliefs that I believe it's going to lead towards more good things than sometimes acknowledging when maybe I should be more concerned or cautious or worried or anxious about things. Um, It's just the way I'm wired and that's how my personality is. So it's easier for me to just be like that on the microphone and to go forward because that's how I approach most things in life and that I would rather just simply be comfortable, confident, optimistic, and move forward believing that that's the right thing. And, you know, certainly you have big time guests, your first time on a different show, different platforms, everybody gets butterflies or anxiety. And again, I'll lean back into the professional mentoring side of things. Anybody who tells you they don't get nervous is lying. It's just the fact that people with more reps, more comfort, more confidence in the process is able to hide it better. So being able to do that you're simply able to move forward and realize, Hey, you want to know what, if I flub something up or say something weird or or don't handle something the way that I want to, when I leave this room, my daughter's going to give me the same hug that I would have. Otherwise, she's not going to care. The rest of my life's going to be good. Everything's going to be okay. And realizing that you don't live and die by the quality of every single podcast that you do, you know, that's the key to, to being able to relieve some of that anxiety. And I think that's the way that I try to approach it. What about you, Joe? What was the process like for you getting comfortable when you've been doing podcasts for a while? And again, you, you're doing this professionally. You're a seasoned pro now, but it wasn't always probably the case for you. What was your process of getting more comfortable behind the mic? I think I had a really good journey to get to the point where, I'm, you know, before I was doing podcasting that helped me get there quicker. I did a lot of speech and debate in high school as well as college and, um, was heavily involved in church. And through that, I did a fair amount of speaking and, um, being a musician, kind of always being in front of people. I think that really prepared me well, uh, to take on these types of roles. But I will say that I remember the first time I was on WGR 550 radio in Buffalo. I don't do, I don't think I could breathe just in anticipation while I was just kind of waiting for it to start. Like, I just was like, yeah. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do this. I, I, I was so nervous because I really wanted to do a good job with that. And so I think getting, just having those experiences set me up very well to do this job, to do this role. And I gained a lot of confidence. If there was a turning point that I can point to that really helped me gain confidence in talking into a microphone, knowing that people are going to listen is I got a chance to do in studio radio work at the Charlotte, you know, local sports station here, uh, WFNZ 610 AM. And it was the morning show, Chris McLean, outstanding host. And they invited me in to do some live studio stuff to talk draft. I think this must've been like 2017. And 
I was pretty confident, but then I got into the studio and, you know, here's the big microphone and the headset. And, you know, you're, you're thinking about, oh my gosh, how many people are listening to this? You know, they've been kind of billing me as this guest. And I sat down next to Chris McLean and Chris talked into that microphone like there were 10,000 people in front of him. Like he was animated. He was like, his whole body was talking. And, and I'm like, okay, that's it. That's it. You have to like put yourself into that role. And, and even though nobody's looking at me when I'm doing podcasts, I'm very animated. My hands are going, I'm willing to kind of sit on the edge of my seat and really just kind of put myself into that position where, yeah, nobody's actually seeing me, but I'm going to act like they're seeing me. And I think you kind of put all that together. You take all these different experiences that you've had and, and it helps you become confident. But like Greg said, I think there's just a reps. There's reps that matter uh, to gaining that confidence and being able to do it well. And, and I think if I look throughout the course of my life, I can point at certain things that I did or, or regular experiences that I had that set me up well to do this job now. Bruce, a slightly different question for you. Was there a specific point where you realized that podcasting, you were starting, your popularity really kind of grew to a point, I, I don't want to call it like overnight, but it kind of came sort of out of nowhere and relatively quick. I remember a lot of people, friends of mine who are, they're casual podcasting fans or casual people on Twitter. They really didn't know who Bruce Nolan was not too long ago. And now, honest to God, every time I talk bills or anything, I hear the name Bruce Nolan all the time, even if I'm not the one who's bringing it up. Do you remember like a specific, specific point where things really started to turn for you and you started to make a name? you know, fake name or not, but you made a name in this, uh, podcasting game. It, it's kind of sort of come out of nowhere, but that's not really actually the case. Is it? I would argue I'm still not there. I, I would argue that th this, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. I, I listen back to my pods all the time, the way that Joe has mentioned previously, I think mm -hmm. I'm the number one listener to the Bruce exclusive. And I think I've listened to it more than anybody. So I've heard those ads a million times. And so I'm the target audience for the advertisements on the Bruce exclusive. But for me, I think that there's two things that give me confidence, but didn't suddenly give me confidence. They have always given me confidence. They always will give me confidence. And I anticipate that that's going to continue into perpetuity. And that is number one is the preparation. We've talked about this before. The more I prepare, the less nervous I am. And so like Joe, I, I was invited, Nate Geary from WGR invited me into the studio with my old uh, co-host, Nick, and we did a roundtable before free agency in the draft kind of last year. And the more prepared I was, the better I felt. And even though I was doing you know live radio in studio, I was still feeling pretty confident because I was prepared. The second thing is the stakes. And this is where a lot of the differences between people like Joe who do it professionally and people like me, because I'll level with you. I think about quitting like three times a month. Like, that's just, that's just yeah. part of the, part of the game because I, I don't need this. You know, I, I don't need it to identify me. I mean, one of the reasons that I'm able to use a pseudonym so effectively is because I'm very disconnected from Bruce Nolan. That, that doesn't give me any sort of personal value. I, I don't take any personal identity and pride from the people liking me or from people listening to the podcast. I want to do a good job because everything that you do, you should want to do well. And 
in the same way that being a husband to my wife is a skill and being a good dog dad is a skill and being a good redacted job, an occupation for Bruce is a skill. All those things are skills and I want to do those things well because anything I do, I want to do it well. But if this thing disappears tomorrow, I'm fine. If, if, if all of a sudden you wake up one day and Bruce Nolan ceases to exist on Twitter and his Instagram's gone, everyone's like, where's Bruce? I'm just whistling my way down to the next thing. And I have other things that I enjoy doing in life. I have other hobbies that I can do that I do less of because of this podcast. So the stakes are pretty low. And when you remind yourself for me personally, that I can do this because I'm a hobbyist, but people who are professionals maybe can't do this. I remind myself how low the stakes are and the stakes are just doing a good job for the sake of doing a good job. There isn't a greater thing. There isn't a higher ambition. There isn't a, I want to do a good job so that I can become something. I just want to do a good job for the sake of the good job, because anything you want to do, you should want to do well. And so with the stakes being fairly low, and the preparation being fairly high, those are the things that mitigate my nervousness and kind of make me feel like I never really arrived. I never really will arrive. I'm just kind of here. And I just anticipate that kind of stability kind of progressing into perpetuity for me. You guys have mentioned Nick area a few times. I, I want to shout him out. I want to make sure I do that because Nate chooses platform on WGR on his radio show on Saturdays. And he's had all of you guys on his show and some others too. And he's given alternative media podcasters, bloggers, an opportunity to have a bigger platform to get their message out and talk sports and get some exposure. So I just wanted to make sure I said that good on him. So now everybody who's listening, these podcasters, podcast fans out there, people interested in podcasting, you guys have been doing a great job of telling people, you know, things that help you in your process and you know what to do. Let's, Go around and tell them what not to do. Like, I want you guys to dare yourself to call you out a little bit. Like, if you had to sit down and think about it, like, what's maybe your worst habit when it comes to podcasting? Maybe something you do or something you say, and you kind of go back and you listen to your episodes or feedback that you might get or whatever, something that makes you kind of want to kick yourself when you go back and listen. So I'll go around the room for that. Let's start with Joe. Like, what's something on your podcast you're constantly trying to work on, like your worst habit? Man, that's tough. Uh, my worst habit. I don't think people would know what my worst habits are because those get edited out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good thing. Um, I think <laughs> there are times, I, I guess it's more of a process thing for me. There are times where I don't get to the podcast early enough in the day and the later it gets in the day, the less energy I have, the less like clarity of thought and ability to speak clearly I get. So for me, I my my worst moments, my bad habits are whenever it becomes further on my list of things to do that day. And next thing I know, it's 9, 10, 10, 30 before I'm recording tomorrow's episode of Locked On Bills. And I know that when that happens, it's just not going to be the best I can make it. So uh, I, I think that's what it comes down to. Honestly, it's it's my worst moments as a podcaster come when I don't prioritize doing it earlier in the day when I'm the most fresh and you know ready to deliver you know a very clear 
you know, articulated podcast that um, brings the energy level that I hope to deliver each and every time. All right. Fair enough. What about you, Greg? So I'd say crutch words. I, I noticed like handoffs and transitions when I want to go over to Aaron, or if I agree with something Eric is saying, um, I'll use the same terms and it bothers me afterwards. And uh, being able to try to be more varied and, and not lean on the same things each time, if I'm trying to agree or disagree or counter or chime in, not using those same crutch phrases here and there. And, and to Joe's point, things that I edit out or, or am able to do differently or used to notice that I've been able to kind of overcome over those time, obviously are a little bit different, but uh, certainly for me, it's those terms that I lean on over and over and over again, that I realize that I, I do it subconsciously. I don't think about it, but every time I agree with Aaron, it's always absolutely. I just, I wear that term out <laughs> and use it all the time um, in, in trying to find different things like that. So I don't have to uh, use those same terms all the time. Yeah, for sure. Which by the way, for me, for sure is one of those crutch words that uh, <laughs> that I use. What about you, Bruce? Is there something that sometimes when you go back and you're like, man, I wish I, I didn't say that. Or I wish I didn't do this sometimes at least. I think that a lot of what we've discussed so far today has been around the topic of self-awareness. And how important it is to have self-awareness when you're going to create content and you're going to watch it back or listen to it back and evaluate yourself. And I think one of the things that I have historically done an okay job at, but there are moments that kind of flare up on me, is making sure that I have the right amount of gas in the tank before I record. I have had times where I'll get to a commercial break and I'll say, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back. We're going to talk about blah, 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 blah. Stick with me. We'll be right back. And I'll pause the recording and I'll think to myself, I, 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 don't, I don't even know how I'm going to get out the other side of this commercial break right now. I just don't have the gas. And that right there tells me that I should have started it earlier. I should have planned better. I should have allotted that 35 minutes earlier in my day, I should have done something different to make sure, like Joe said, you bring the correct amount of energy. I'll never forget the 2020 free agent kind of class that the Bills signed back to back to back to back, where we had AJ Klein, and then we had Mario Addison, and then we had the trade for Stefan Diggs all in one night. And at the time, Anthony Marino was unavailable for breaking Buffalo rumblings. So I did a pod on AJ Klein. And then the second I was done, I had to do a pod on Mario Addison. And I did a pod on Mario Addison. And the second I was done, the Stefan Diggs trade came. And by the time I got to the end of the Stefan Diggs trade, I was punch drunk. I was walking into the bedroom and my wife looks up at me and goes, how did it go? And I just started maniacally cracking out laughing. I was so tired that everything was funny and I was so exhausted at the end of it. Now it's like a running joke on Bill's Twitter. It's that, you know, Bruce is going to get beat up by the, the breaking news pods. And that just tells you that you should have allotted the appropriate energy. And some people have boundless amounts of energy and they can just have an untapped well. And for those people, I hate you, but also good for you. But for those of us who don't, you have to make sure you've got enough in the tank to do what you want to get done. 
You have to make sure that you're allotting the appropriate resources. You can't start a project, say, hey, I'm going to build a new fence. And then halfway through your fence, you're like, I don't have any money. Well, that doesn't exactly work. Now you got a half-built fence. It's the same way with your emotional and mental state when you go to record a podcast. And it's something that I have to be constantly aware of. And I've done okay, but there are moments where the back part of my podcast won't be as good because I flat out ran out of gas. Okay. You know, you mentioned Stefan Diggs trade and that keeps bringing me back when that actually happened. I was taping a show actually live with Greg. Me and Greg were doing a show and you want to talk about somebody who got energy real quick. Greg's voice changed <laughs> real quick because he literally reacted on Twitter because it happened in real time. We were taping a show just talking bills and like dead smack in the middle of it. Stefan Diggs, uh, the trade went down. I'll, I'll never forget that. That was, uh, that was pretty wild. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Now, if you podcast long enough, whether it's the four of us, whether it's literally anybody who's ever had a podcast, we've all been here when it comes to this. You put a ton of work into the episode, man. You get a really good guess or you got a kick-ass topic, great content, everything about it's good, man. The flow's good. It feels great. It feels fantastic. You love it. You, you pop it out. It goes out for the world to, to, to consume. And for whatever reason, it bombs. It tanks. Whatever. Again, we've all been there. How frustrating can that get for you when something that you put a lot of work into just, you know, it shits the bed that episode. Because again, it happens to everybody. So for podcasters out there listening or looking for some advice, like how do you handle setbacks like that? Is it easy for you to just brush it off and move on to the next one? Or sometimes is that just really sitting you like, man, I, this is a good episode, but people just ain't getting it or they're not hearing it. What do you think, Joe? Well, I... I would say that this extends to articles that I write as well, where I will go deep into something and really feel like I delivered all the points I wanted to. It came out the way I was hoping it would. And then, you know, just like the response, the amount of reads, just not, they're not there, but then I can write something that, you know, took me 30 minutes and it's on a unimportant topic and it blows up and you're like, why, how, like, I don't get it. But I think, I think in in going through that so many times that I just understand and and just comprehend that it's part of the part of the job like you're just going to have moments where things aren't received the way that you hope they are and and fortunately for me I get another podcast the next day so I have an opportunity to kind of you know bring things back or I might shout it out in that podcast you know, hey, you know, say something along the lines of, "Hey, if you missed yesterday, we we did this, and it was a really insightful conversation. Don't miss it." But uh, for the most part, I, I just kind of turn my attention to that next piece of content that I'm creating and hope it uh, performs better, or you know, certainly gives me that that juice back that I was hoping to gain from uh, whatever flopped. Yeah, you're like a baseball player; you don't got to sit on a loss for too long because you're right back on the field. Uh- the very next day. What, what about you, Greg? You know, you and Aaron have a great show and you really felt that flow and everything went well. And then you look and, you know, the hits aren't there, the downloads aren't there. And again, this is also informative for other people who are listening, kind of teaching them and training them because it, it's going to happen. You know, how do you deal with it? Do you just, is it easy for you to just brush off and say, eh, shit happens? I, I have no idea. It's never, never happened. Never, um, never. Ever. <laughs> it's a, uh, I, I know I can certainly speak for, for Joe and for Bruce. I think all of us are very tapped into 
the numbers, the responses, the engagement. And sometimes it is frustrating where there's no real explanation. Be like, man, I thought that was a really good show. It was a good topic. It was, you know, after a, a Bill's win or it was after a big signing or trade. Like, I really thought we were going to have some good numbers off the show. It's weird. Or, you know, there's always it's really hard not to let the vocal minority overshadow the preponderance of response that, that you get. Cause obviously I don't think we would all continue doing what we do if we didn't get a relatively positive response from what we do. And it's always tough when you get a troll or some weirdly specific negative feedback in a comment on a Twitter or a website or a podcast review or whatever it might be. Those are tough because you know, you realize and you look at the numbers of X, whatever, 10,000 different people engage with the show here or there, whatever it might be. And that, oh, Bob from Cheek Waga ruined my day <laughs> because he goes yeah. through and, you know, get gives gives you he hated my idea of what the transition plan should be moving on at defensive line or, you know, whatever it is. And it sometimes is tough not to be able to step back and see the forest from the trees and not to let that become the overarching response. But I, I think that would be the key that I would tell anybody else is just not to let those smaller voices, you know, one, I don't block everything out. Feedback's healthy. There's nothing wrong with getting, especially constructive feedback. If you have people who care about you and are giving you genuinely constructive feedback on things to improve, that's great. But people who are, you know, even going about it in a negative way or an overly critical way or a rude way, you know, sometimes I even try to look at that a bit. Okay. Why were they driven to do that? What things came from that? Is there something that I can do to make our show more approachable, more digestible, easier to interact with things like that? Even if that person went about it in a way that I don't agree with, I still try to see if I can take something positive from it. What about you, Bruce? So you well-prepared for a show. You really like the topic. You're locked in, did a lot of homework. You emptied the tank out. You like it. And for whatever reason, it does 60% of what your episode last week, which you thought was just all right, does. Like, do you take that personal? I try not to care too much because quite frankly, I can't. I can't, I can't afford to care too much. Uh, Greg and I have talked about this before. I, you know, for a guy who has a reputation as being a robot, I am a shockingly empathetic person. And because of that, I, I simply can't allow myself to connect with those ideas and connect with those thoughts and connect with people who might have, um, you know, ill intent within their negativity. Like he said, constructive feedback is wonderful and that's great. And I appreciate that. And there are going to be people out there who have ill intent with you through no, has nothing to do with you at all. They had a bad day. Their dog bit them. Their wife said something they didn't like, and now they're going to take it out on me. And that's part of it. And recognizing that every single individual who does a keystroke on their computer or moves their thumbs on their Twitter application on their phone, every single person has their own individual lives and individual factors that's leading to the, them feeling the need to do that. They have their own end game. I don't understand their end game. Sometimes I'll ask them. I had one guy who uh, who decided to call me a name on Twitter. And I just asked him, so what? what is it that made you feel like you should do that? And he had no idea how to respond to that. He had no idea how to how to respond to that idea because he didn't like an opinion that I had about football. And so he decided that because he didn't like the opinion that I had about football, he was going to call me names. And I thought it was interesting so much as anything because I can't connect to that. I can't afford to connect to that. If I do, 
then I will allow myself to go down a road that I don't want to go down. So because of it, I just try not to connect to it. There are plenty of people out there who have positive things to contribute and constructive criticism. And those are the two things that I want to connect with. And as such, I'm very liberal with the mute and the block button. I'm very liberal with the move on to the next one because once I've learned everything I can learn, then I move on. Now, if something happened and I, I, you know, I listened back by then, by the time the responses have come in, I've already listened back. So I've already taken the notes on, Hey, I don't feel like this really came off the way I wanted it to. One time I actually sent Aaron and Greg a message. I was like, don't bother listening to tomorrow's pod. It's not very good. (laughs) And I already know that. So if that doesn't, if that doesn't go well, then I don't, I bummer missed opportunity, but I already knew it wasn't good. I already listened back to it and I already knew that. And I'm, I'm not going to connect with that stuff because it doesn't, as I mentioned previously, it doesn't provide me with my self-worth. And so I don't allow myself to connect with it because my wife deserves better than for me to connect negatively. We already watch a highly emotional game and we talk about it with highly emotional people. That's already part of what we do. I can't allow myself to further the emotional roller coaster by then responding to other people's responses to my response. Now we're just getting way too much variance into the equation. We already have the emotional response that comes with the game. And then I respond to it publicly where thousands of people will understand and hear my response. And then I'm going to emotionally respond to other people's emotional responses to my emotional response. No, it's too much. It's too much variance. And so because I can't afford to connect to it, I try to avoid connecting to it. Do any of you guys suffer from, or at least have flirted with getting legitimate burnout? Because I think it's a real thing. I've definitely felt it once or twice. And again, I only, you know, I've had a twice a week show for three years now. And it's been a couple of times where I've done that. I've started questioning whether I wanted to keep going. Sometimes maybe I just feel I wasn't worth it or a couple shows of mine in a row. I thought they sucked and I was just getting to that point of burnout. I would think, and maybe I'm wrong here, but Joe, I mean, you do this professionally, but doing this as often as you do, is it hard not to flirt with burnout? Even though you're, you're a football guy, man, you love football. You're doing a job. I know you love doing, but if you got in close before, to that point where it's like, man, I'm really starting to get burnt out from this. I think it's a fair question. And I don't want to be like a, you know, rainbows and roses type guy here. But when those thoughts enter my head, I dismiss them very, very quickly because this is all I've ever wanted to do. You know, I've worked other jobs. I grew up working construction with my dad on the weekends and in the summers and then you know, worked the real retail job and, you know, was in business management and had some, you know, just, I had regular jobs and, and I don't want to go back. I I don't want to go back to doing that stuff. And I don't feel like I have a real job right now. And the second I start like saying to myself, like, I don't feel like doing this, or I, I don't have the energy to do this right now. I think about the alternative and very quickly that, that switch flips because I'm very, very blessed to get to do this work and and I don't want to do anything else. And I know that my effort, my attitude, my energy will help me stay in control of continuing to get to do this work. Yeah. What about you, Aaron or um, Bruce, either of you? Have you gotten burnout? Have you 
flirted with burnout to the point where it's like, man, I just don't know if I even want to do this anymore. I don't know if it's worth it. Have you, have you ever flirted with that? First, I'm offended you called me Aaron. Um, I think so- <laughs> <laughs> you should be. My bad. I, I would say to, to what Bruce touched on earlier, I, I'm more in the camp of, you know, my nature and approach and upbeat attitude. I, I usually come across as somebody who has a lot of energy and I'm comfortable with it. I have done, you know, three shows in a row multiple times on different guest spots and then my own. I'm going to jump right from one into another tonight. I did hit there. I, I found out there is a wall. There is a limit. The week of the AFC championship game, those six days after the Ravens win going into the Chiefs game and the post game show of the Chiefs game, including that Sunday morning and everything through there, I did 15 shows in six days. And when the game ended, I was done. Like I was, I really like I need, I was done with football. I needed to unplug and I, I did almost nothing to do with anything to do with football for over a week and just completely unplugged. I, I think I rewatched breaking bad was, I think my, my way to just remove myself and my brain was fried. I just, I had poured every ounce of energy into the lead up to, you know, obviously all of us experienced probably the best season in, in our adult lives and going through that approach it, I found out there was a wall and was a limit to it, but it, it's fortunately um, I've, it's been more of the exception to that. I've been pretty comfortable being able to roll multiple shows, multiple different things and not hitting that. And like Joe said, just trying to have a, a thankful, appreciative approach that I'm, you know, very flattered that, that people want to have me on or want to be able to talk to me or hear my ideas and thoughts. And I try to use that to drive my energy and focus that if they're thinking I'm worthy of being invited on there and wanting to hear from me, then they deserve my full undivided attention. Even if I need to, you know, boost it up and fake it for part of it. I almost wanted to call Bruce Anthony Miller or Joe or, or, or Anthony Marino or Joe Miller just to make up for calling you Aaron. But anyway, Bruce, what about yourself? Have you uh, gotten yourself to that point? Yeah, I have as I've absolutely had moments where I feel like I had hit the wall. And there are other things that I like to do in life. And there are other hobbies that we're not going to talk about because I don't know if the FBI is listening that I could be partaking in if I wasn't doing this, you know, football. I am a football guy who also happens to like the bills, right? It's, it's, it's a tertiary kind of thing. I'm a football guy. I love watching football. I'll watch any football. I'll watch college football. I'll watch, you know, division three football. I'll watch any kind of football. I'll, I watch football all day on Saturday. I'll watch football all day on Sunday. I'll watch the games back for fun. I love football. And even with that, there's still there's still a wall. And there's still a thing that butts up against you when you run out of gas. And I have a feeling that my wall is probably a lot smaller and a lot closer to me than people like Greg and people like Joe who uh, Joe obviously does this professionally. So he talked about the alternative. What's the alternative, right? And the alternative for him is going back to a different job that he doesn't want to do. You know, he, he he's very successful and is you know wildly successful at doing what he does now. He doesn't want to go back. Well, for me, the alternative is just not do this anymore. And so for that, that sometimes that looks a little bit more appealing because as a hobbyist, 
The alternative is just not do this. Maybe I do my other hobbies for a little bit and spend more time on that. And so there are moments where I don't, I don't want to do it and I don't feel like doing it. And then I'll have a moment where I'll have an opportunity to connect with a listener and they'll send me an email and they'll say, Bruce, I listened to your pod in the car with my six-year-old son. And I tell him that this pod is about football, but it's also about life. And we listen and we talk about it. And that kind of stuff means so much to me that it, it, it fills up the tank and it gives me enough gas for one more because I understand the emotional connection to the bills and people have an emotional connection to the podcast. And when I was growing up, I moved all over the country and I was always the new kid and every single school that I went to and every single group of friends that I tried to make it, I was always the new guy. And the most stable thing growing up for me was like the Buffalo Bills message boards and Buffalo fans. And obviously the message boards came in a little bit later in, into my into my life. But Buffalo Bills fandom was a stable thing for me. And so there's emotional connection there. And being able to connect with other people, I mentioned the, the, the Triforce earlier, being able to connect with the listeners and having the listeners and I together connect with the team, that, that matters. And it gives me enough for one more. And so that's the kind of thing that can help me kind of power through when I don't think I've got, I don't think I have one more in me. And so I do have moments where the alternative looks fairly attractive. Mostly those moments come when I'm having to mute my notifications because people are saying mean things to me (laughs) on Twitter and I'm tired and I had a long day at my actual job and I don't know if I have enough gas to put forth the type of podcast that I feel like they deserve because they deserve my best. The people who are listening to my podcast deserve every single bit I can give them. Every drop that I have, I should put into this because quite frankly, they deserve that. They spend time every week. They'll listen to one or two of my shows and they could be doing anything else. And so I take that very seriously. And that's the kind of thing that helps me power through those moments. But those moments happen a lot. Yeah. Well, I want to say this, and this isn't a podcast or roundtable topic, but I, I want to make sure that this is known. This is something I always liked about all three of you guys. It, your time is valuable. And beyond just being really good podcasters who put out great content and get me through a lot of my walks and you know car rides to and from work or to the store or wherever, or even in the shower, as creepy as that may seem, the point being is you guys are all really good guys and very generous with your time. And not just you guys, also people like Joe Miller and Jay Spence and the guys at Rock Pile Report and a lot of the people at Fanatics. It's just a community where, you know, people have lives and their own shows and not all that much spare time, but it's very common to give that spare time up to go on other shows. A certain You get a little something out of it. Like, sure, if Joe Marino comes on this podcast, he's going to have an opportunity to talk about lockdown bills and stuff like that, but he'd be doing it anyway. He'd be giving up his time just to talk football. And those are kind of things that uh, I think a lot of fans and a lot of podcasters out there uh, really appreciate. I just got two more things here. One of them is going to be just kind of a fun scenario here for just for shits and giggles. All right. So we've all had some pretty good guests on our podcast through the years. Um, You guys, especially have been on a lot of good shows and stuff like that. 
I want you each to go around. I'll go, I'll go around the table here. Come up with one guest who you've never been on their show or they've never been on your show. And in a perfect world, your perfect episode, it's your show and you can have any guests on with you for that 45 minutes, an hour, whatever it'd be like. Who's your perfect guest that you have not had on yet that you would love to have? Like for an example, I'd love to have Charles Barkley on Talking Buffalo Podcast someday because he would just be a riot. But anyway, I'll start with you, Joe. Like, who's your ideal perfect guest that you have not had on the show yet? I think this will be a surprising answer for a lot of people, but even if it wasn't locked on bills, if it was draft dudes, the the guest that I have always wanted to have is Wade Phillips. And it's not necessarily because of anything that happened with Rob Johnson, Doug Flutie, you know, Music City Miracle, none of that. I just think he's hilarious. And I would love to just ask him questions and listen to him tell stories about his time in football. I mean, his dad punched Kevin Gilbride in the face because <laughs> yeah. like on the sideline, like, I, I, I got to know more about this guy. And I want to hear him talk about coaching Aaron Donald and J.J. Watt and just scheme evolution for the defensive side of the football. But the stories that I think he could tell along the way uh, would be top notch. I mean, his Twitter account is pure gold, and I think he'd be an awesome guest. What about you, Greg? Let's say we're going to give Aaron the night off, all right, and you could have on the other side of that screen with you any guest you want. Like, who would be that perfect guest that you'd love to have on Cover One Buffalo Podcast? So it's funny, you had kind of prepped this one a little bit. So I have a separate answer I'll give in a second. Specific to Cover One Buffalo, I think it would be like someone with an all-time reserve of Bill's stories and fandom, but inside NFL. And I think it'd be Chris Berman. I think that he would be like the ultimate person to be able to talk through you know, both the knowledge, you know, unbelievable access in in the world of football, but also as a Bills fan. So I think that would be a really cool one. Um, for me, I first got into podcasts with two different people with listening to Bill Simmons and listening to Malcolm Gladwell. So, you know, Bill Simmons, a sports guy. I like the idea. Sometimes I hate listening to him just because he's so often Boston centric for things. Um, but I, I just, I think he's phenomenal. I think that he's done an amazing job. And then I think Malcolm Gladwell might be the smartest man alive. I, I've read all of his books. If anyone looks over my shoulder while live on the show, I, I have an entire row of all of his books over my shoulder. I love his podcast. And I think his approach to different things for anyone who, who hasn't listened, uh, you know, his, his podcast series is one of the most incredible ones that I've ever heard in just the way that he approaches different events in things in history and approaches to things that you think you know about and he'll explain them in a different way of how they exist. So um he's someone I you know tr- strive to try to be more like and to approach things and to be interesting in the way that I find him interesting. So those would be my dream ones outside of it, but I think for cover one Buffalo would probably be Boomer. Very interesting. What about you Bruce? Does this person have to be alive? Um, well, yeah, because he's going to be on your show next right. week. Well, so. well that, that, okay. that takes away a couple of things. So obviously, clearly the best guests that I've ever had on my pod were Greg Thompson and Joe Marino. That's obvious. So I don't know how I on Arthur I would ever top them. But if I <laughs> was attempting- a, Let's roll the dice. Go ahead. If I was attempting to do it, and quite frankly, this is very interesting for me because we don't do a lot of guests at the Bruce Exclusive. It's just not a very common thing. Uh, it's mostly a solo podcast. 
And occasionally I will dabble maybe two in off season. It's very, very rare uh, for the guests, but I would love to have Warren Sharp on. And I'd love to chat with Warren Sharp, mostly because I find the philosophy of football to be fascinating. Uh, we've done multiple episodes already this off season of the Bruce exclusive, where we have talked about my particular roster building philosophies. And when you have a person who has strong opinions that are backed by data, it's always fascinating to hear him talk about, okay, here's what I think of on these specific positions on these specific plays. And you see how far you're willing to take that. For example, I'll give you a great example. So when people say, well, passing is more efficient than running the ball. Great. Okay. Does that mean you want to pass the ball hundred percent of the time? Well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, and you start to see how far those laws take you because there is a nuance and an unmeasurable part of football, but how big is that for every individual person? And so when you have someone who has strong opinions that are backed by data, like someone like Warren Sharp, I think it'd be fascinating to just kind of shoot the breeze with him about football philosophy, where he sees the game going, things that he believes in and kind of bounce some ideas off of him as far as, you know, roster building, scheme building philosophies and how they're changing, where they're going. I think that would be a really good time. Yeah, that would be interesting for sure. Here, All right, so here's the deal. This is going to be the last topic and I'm going to skip the goodbyes. I'm going to let everyone know now that I'm going to put uh, Twitter for Bruce, for Joe, for Greg. I'll put all that in the show notes, links to their shows. I'll give you guys the last word. It's going to be the age-old advice question again. This has been a podcaster's roundtable, mainly about podcasting. A lot of podcasters are listening. I'm sure a lot of aspiring ones out there are listening. Um, how do I say it? Well, actually, let's just keep it real simple. People love hearing some honest advice from guys who do it well, and you guys do it as well as anyone else out there. So what's the advice that you would give someone out there right now if they're saying, I'm out here and I'm ready to start a podcast? And I just want to get some really good sound advice. I'll start with Joe because he's been doing a, he's the pro guy. What do you got, Joe? I think this answer applies to a lot of things in life, not just podcasting, but we'll make it about podcasting. I think it's really important that you fall in love with the right things. Don't start a podcast because you want to get lots of Twitter followers or five-star reviews or downloads or positive feedback. If that's what you're in love with, it's not going to sustain itself. You have to fall in love with the process that goes into doing a podcast well. And that means having the right audio equipment, taking the time to prepare your your shows with outlines, uh, formulating show concepts, producing a podcast well. It's all of the work that goes into it, and it's not as much the result. If you do all the stuff that goes into it well, your podcast is going to be good and people will like it and people will subscribe to it and the downloads will be there and the Twitter followers will come. So you have to fall in love with the right stuff because if not, you're going to get burnt out. You're going to do one or two or three or four podcasts and you're not going to get the audience you're hoping for. The, the feedback's not going to be there because you didn't take the time to do everything before that right. So fall in love with the process of producing a great podcast and not the results of it because you're going to come up empty. And I think for so many things in life, that's applicable, whatever you want to do. I, I get that for people that want to do NFL draft work. Well, if you want to fall in love with 
you know, producing mock drafts and uh, scouting reports and people liking your football opinions, that's not going to work. You have to fall in love with the process of what it takes to do that stuff well. Great, great advice. What about you, Greg? What's your uh, advice for aspiring podcasters out there? So I certainly echo Joe's sentiments, the the work ethic, the process, you know, for being passionate about what you do. Those are all critical. The, the simplest advice I can give is start. Start doing it. The the number of people who come to me and say, hey, man, I, you know, I'd love to be able to to get a spot on the cover one network. You know, it, what would it take to do that? I'm like, I oh, will shoot me a link to one of your shows. I'll check it out. And they're like, oh, well, no, like I, I wanted to just start with you guys. But that's not the way it works. Like it, I need to see if you're any good. And most people, when you first start, you're probably not that good. It's good to get the reps out of the way when there's not quite as many people listening or half the links are your mom checking it out three times and sending it to people. Um, get started. Just start recording yourself because the self-scouting, the evaluation, the ability to get better comes with the reps. Now, a lot of that can come when you get connected with the right people and get good feedback and good advice and get built up in different areas. And yes, of course, a larger platform can increase your audience. And that is a good thing that will come in time. But honestly, I tell a lot of people, you might not want that right off the bat because some of the feedback might not be great if you're not quite ready for the moment. And that I think a lot of people have this idea built up that, oh, well, yeah, but you, you see me respond on Twitter. You you can tell I'm smart. And you know, th- there's just a lot more that goes into it than that. So the, the quickest and easiest advice I can give anybody is start. Start your own show. It's absolutely free. The barrier to entry in the podcast world is virtually zero. If you have AirPods and a computer, you can start a podcast tomorrow and there's nothing stopping you. And if you're passionate about a topic, go and talk about it passionately and other people will be too. And they'll listen and they'll interact and they'll respond and you'll be shocked at how excited they are about it. And if you're good at it, you'll know very quickly. And if there's things you need to work on, sadly, you're going to learn that very quickly too. And that's just part of the world of how it works. And until you get started, you're not going to know either way. I agree 100%. All right, Bruce, I'm going to leave the last word with you. What's your advice for aspiring podcasters out there? Understand that you're part of a community. And like Joe's advice, this is something that is applicable to a lot of different things in life, not just podcasting. You are part of a community. It's not just you. It's not just your show. and The people who you think you're adversarially competing with, you're probably not. And you don't really need to build your show up by trying to rip somebody else down. This is a a unique setting where one of the best things about getting a bigger following is the ability to support people who have lesser followings. It's probably the best thing about what we get to do is that I have people who DM me and say, hey, will you come on my show? And I say, of course, I'll come on your show. You know, let, let's, let's schedule a time. I'm, I, I got a lot of stuff going on, but I'd love to be part of it. And they respond as if somehow that's a big deal. And I, I can't fathom that. I don't understand it, but it brings them joy. And I'm happy to bring more eyes to their show because some of my listeners will then go over and listen to me on this show because they'll want to suck up all the content they possibly can. And that's a wonderful thing being able to support that because I might not have 
huge, massive ambitions, but maybe they do. And for them, this is a huge, awesome thing. And we should be happy for those people. And I have a tremendous amount of respect and gratitude to people like Greg and to people like Joe who have had me on their shows. And I love their content. I legitimately have fondness for the vast majority of Buffalo Bills media and content creators. And I'm just happy to be part of it. And that never would have happened to me a couple years ago. A couple years ago, I think I had a different view on this. And I was wrong. I was wrong because I let my frustration about differing contents kind of bleed over into my persona a little bit. And I cut that out of myself real fast. And I came to learn a pretty hard lesson, which was that this is part of a community. And the vast majority of people in the community are hobbyists. Some people are professionals. Joe Marino is a professional. I am not. Greg is not. And if you're not a professional and you don't have ambitions of being a professional, then then why are we all yelling at each other, really? Because this is a bunch of people talking into a microphone, into a computer about people wearing matching outfits, carrying a ball. That's what this is. It's supposed to be fun. And if you think that this perceived competitiveness that you have with a different pod is all about sucking up all the listeners you possibly can, congratulations, you're going to be on top of the mountain all alone. Congratulations, you won it. You won the game. Now what? But there's far more joy in just being happy for people and allowing their successes to mean something and promoting each other and being part of this community that is wonderful. Wonderful. People have accepted me in a way that is just undeserving. They have shown me an unbelievable amount of grace. And I could never possibly repay Joe and Greg and the people in this community for what they've done for me. And so the solution is just don't even try. Just be happy for them. Understand you're part of a community and understand that it doesn't have to be a bunch of people scratching and clawing for every listener they can possibly get. It doesn't have to be like that. And if it doesn't have to be like that, then we should choose for it not to be like that. All right, folks, that is going to do it for this episode. I got to tell you, that was different, not just for them, not just for this podcast, but for me personally. It's one thing to have a one-on-one interview with somebody. I'm used to that. I'm very comfortable doing that. But to have three people on at once, all audio, it was a little uh, nerve-wracking for myself. I had never done it before. And uh, I don't know. It was fun, though. I really enjoyed it. Hopefully, you did, too. Big, big thank you again, Joe Marino, Greg Thompson, Bruce Nolan. I will put links to all their stuff in the show notes. Three of my favorites. Individually, I love all three of those guys. And to have them all at the same time on this podcast, that meant a lot to me. So thank you very much, guys. Fellas, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead and do that right now. Rate and review, all that fun stuff. It really helps me continue to grow this show and get people like Joe, Greg, and Bruce on here more often. So Please do that. Give me a follow on Twitter at Pat Moran tweets. And as always, I want to end the podcast the same way. I want to thank you so much for listening. There's so many good shows out there. You just heard about three of them and there's countless more. So when you're locked into this one for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, 60 minutes, however long, I can't tell you 
how much that means to me. I'm so appreciative and humble and grateful. So thank you very, very much. Have a good weekend. Going to be back with a brand new episode. I'm going to have Benjamin Albright on Tuesday.